brother, a law officer, an accomplished Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the lab with Coach Clee and Black and Blue. Most of you have transitioned from the lab. You guys know the transitioning period that took place uh, about a year or so ago. Uh, we transitioned to the lab where we're actually live on two pages on Facebook under Coach Clee. We're under we're live under uh, Black and Blue. We're on LinkedIn under Clee Tillman. We're on two pages of um, YouTube as well where we're streaming from. Uh, called Clee Tillman and or Black and Blue, but you guys already know that. Make sure you guys check out the website that's scrolling below, workwithclee.com, uh, for some books, uh, books written by yours truly, and also to register to be on uh, to be a guest on Black and Blue. Today, we, we had a special guest in the lab. I'll introduce him in a minute. Some of you may know him, some of you may not, but we're going to talk about community policing, modern, modern, everyday policing. This is a show where we highlight police officers where they are either rookies, seasoned or retired uh, police police officers here in America. They tell their side of the story. They let us know what's going on and we have fun while we're doing it. Uh, we got a special guest who's here. Uh, he's going to give his viewpoints, experience and some of his education and um, his position with responsibilities. But make sure you guys like and subscribe to the page. We are sponsored by One Way Publishing and One Way Publishing. Also, you know how it is. They say you they can turn a mere thought into a book that's bought. So make sure you guys check them out. Got a little video here for you by One Way Publishers. Stay tuned, all right?
tuning in. Like I said, we got somebody here in the lab. Some of you guys may know him. Some of you guys may not. I just got a, a chance to meet with him backstage not too long ago. Very interesting guy. He's been featured in Police Chiefs Magazine. He's actually on page 15 of the July issue. So if you guys can get a copy of that, make sure you check that out. He discusses community policing. His name is right here listed below. He's uh, And the website is right beside his name there. Make sure you guys check that out. He's the current chief of a Apex, uh, not county, I'm sorry, Apex Police Department, North Carolina. All right. Um, he's been in law enforcement for over 21 years. Uh, law enforcement, he has over 99 guys that he's uh, in charge of with his department. He's been recently featured in uh, the issue of Police One Magazine. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, I want to bring Jason Armstrong to the stage. Jason, are you here? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm here, Clee. Perfect. Perfect. Thank you for jo joining us here today. How you feeling? I feel good, man. How about yourself? I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. I always get tongue-tied in the first part of the, the live itself. However, we're going to keep on moving. We had a little bit of technical difficulty with the camera, but we're still alive and we're having fun. Jason, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Absolutely. So, man, originally I was born in New Jersey, um, in East Orange, New Jersey is where we lived. But um, both of my parents were natives of North Carolina. And so when I was about eight years old, we moved to North Carolina. So North Carolina is what I really consider home. And it's where I grew up, where I went to school. Mm -hmm. uh, you see the banner ho hanging uh, over behind me. I went to North Carolina Central University, uh, one of the most prestigious HBCUs in the country. Um, and so upon graduating from North Carolina Central, um, I moved down to Georgia. And, and that's where I started my, my law enforcement career uh, with the Forest Park Police Department. So I spent the first 18 years of my career in Georgia uh, with that department. Uh, started just as a, as a patrol officer, worked my way up through the ranks. Um, you know, I accomplished a lot of firsts at that department. When I started uh, with Forest Park back in 2001, mm -hmm. uh, sergeant was the highest position uh, that uh, a black person had ever held in that department. Oh, wow. Okay. And so throughout my tenure there, I went on, I became the first black lieutenant that they ever had, the first black captain, uh, the first black major. I served as a, a stint as the interim major and also served a stint as the interim police chief um, in that organization. And so, you know, just uh, really charted a path and, and had a lot of success uh, down there in that department. And, you know, a big part of, of what I did and what I brought to that organization, um, you know, was just trying to, to be a bridge and, and to be a community builder and out in the community and trying to, to improve some relationships because my department you know we didn't have the best relationship you know with the community especially you know minorities in the community felt as though you know we were we were heavy-handed and and you know we targeted certain areas and things like that and so you know i wanted to be something different i wanted to show something different um and and the work that i did down there ultimately ultimately led me to being appointed a police chief in ferguson missouri okay. in 2019 and so most people are familiar with Ferguson from the, the uh, police shooting and killing of Mike Brown Jr. Uh, back in August 9th, 2014. Oddly enough, it happened eight years ago today. Um, right. And so I went to Ferguson in, in July of 2019 and I spent two years up there uh, as the police chief for that organization um, mm -hmm. and leading that organization before having an opportunity to come back home to North Carolina um, uh, last year in, in 2021 uh, to take over the Apex Police Department here in North Carolina. Um, my wife, we're both from 
uh, North Carolina. We both grew up here in North Carolina. So, you know, okay. our, all our parents are still here. So having a family, getting older, you know, kids and mm-hmm. the pandemic and just how crazy, you know, that whole experience was for everybody. You know, we, we felt it was the, the right time for us to, to come back home and be close to the family. And so made that move down here and, and been down here just a little over a year, man, leading, leading this department down here in Apex. Okay, perfect, perfect. That's a good synopsis. Thank you for sharing. So what is you, you already explained it to the police chief. Can you describe your duties there as being a police chief for Apex? So, man, my duties are, man, whatever is at the other end of that phone call that I get um, or the other end of that email that I receive. Uh-huh. Um, and, and so, you know, naturally, man, when you're the police chief, you know, you are charged with setting, you know, really the, the mission and the vision of your organization. Um, and and a lot of what I do and a lot of what my responsibility is, is really just trying to explain things to people. Um, and, and when I talk about that, you know, so all policies and all big decisions, you know, have to get approved out of my office. Mm-hmm. But that's half of the battle. That's half of the work. Because, you know, what I found in, in my experience as being a police chief is, you know, man, if people don't understand, you know, the policy or the why behind the policy or why are we doing this or the importance mm-hmm. uh, of this or how this contributes to trying to help them or trying to make their job easier or trying to improve things out in the community, then man, you really don't get the buy-in that you need. And, and, and it's, a, it's a challenge and a struggle for you to get momentum in the efforts that you're trying to do. And so a, a large part of, of, of what I do and what my responsibility is it's really trying to explain things to people to get them motivated to understand you know man what we're trying to accomplish what we're trying to do as an organization and really you know just explaining my outlook and 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 my perspective of things to try to get people to understand you know where i'm coming from and and why things are important to me because you know man it's not about me and and although man i'm the chief and it's looked at as my organization I really look at myself as the bottom at the bottom of the organization and and i need i have to depend on everybody else for this organization to be mm-hmm. successful um and our, our main you know primary goal and objective should be man what level of service are we providing to the people in our community and, and what level you know of partnerships and resources you know can we connect them with um and how do they view us as a partner in this in this effort and, right. and the decisions that are being made and the things that we're trying to do you know should should all you know have that that end goal um or that objective you know as a part of what we're trying to build and, and what we're trying to cultivate here and and it's really just trying to to connect the dots on that and and manage you know everything that goes along with an organization and making sure payroll is right making sure all the budget stuff is right and and our bills get paid on time and you know just all of the things that that go along with running any organization mm-hmm. is 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 what i'm is what i'm tasked with every day yeah and then that that sounds like a lot on your plate and i know we were talking backstage is if i mean you don't get a day off or time off it's always one thing after another that's got to be a huge challenge to fill it is. It, it, it absolutely is. But, man, that's where, you know, man, building up a team um, and, and building up a strong team around you that, you know, you have people that you can depend on. You know, man, that's where the, the benefit of that comes into play. You know, individuals that try to go at it alone and, and try to take on the burden of everything that has to go on, man, you're, you're going to run yourself into the ground because being a police chief is too taxing on you to be able to do that. And, and one of the things that, you know, I've had to learn how to do as being a police chief or I've had to get better at is is delegating things and giving away some of my power and authority to empower others, man, to make decisions. Because 
man, I, I can't hold everything up because I'm busy with so many things where some decisions have to be made and, and I have to trust in people that, you know, man, I've empowered and have promoted and all this other stuff. Man, I have to trust in them man, to be able to make decisions and everything not having to go through me. And, and so that that's tough for, you know, for leaders and, and police chiefs because all the mistakes all right, man, I own all of the mistakes right, and, right. and all of the backlash that comes with if we make a mistake, whether, you know, I was a part of that decision or not. And and you have to be OK with that, you know, sitting, sitting, sitting in that, that top seat, man, you have to be OK with that. And, and you have to be open and, and your people, you know, have to know that, you know, man, you have their best interests and you have their back because we're all going to make mistakes. Right. Um, and, and so just because, you know, and I, I got to hold the back for somebody else's mistake doesn't mean that, you know, I'm entitled to overreact. Um, to, to what the mistake was and so right. you know, man, just trying to balance it all and, and understand that you know man you're not going to get it all done in one day mm -hmm. um, and and so you know man just really focus on prioritizing you know what what needs to get done today and and what can wait till tomorrow and and just just work it just work it that way man right so uh being a, the police chief itself and and having delegations what are your uh what's your vision to actually drive your your department forward and keep it moving in a positive direction so man the big thing for me is is looking to see man where we are weak or where we are vulnerable as mm -hmm. an organization um and and so you know like when i envision you know man what uh uh just the a quality police department looks like you know, mm -hmm. number one is, man, we, we have a good standing and a good relationship with the community that we serve where, you know, they, they, they trust us. And when I say that they trust us, I'm not saying that, you know, man, they just blindly, you know, go yeah. along with anything that we say, mm -hmm. but you know, that they trust that if they have a problem with something that we've done or a problem, you know, with anything that we have going on, that they can bring that to our attention and trust that, you know, we're going to take it serious and we're going to look into things. And, and, and if we identify some areas where you know we were wrong or we messed up or what have you we're going to own up to it and we're going to do you know whatever it is that we need to do to try to fix it and correct those things and, and so you know like number one on, on my list is just our responsiveness you know to the community mm -hmm. um, to where you know it doesn't mean we're going to agree on everything and, and I think, you know, that's the part when we talk about these things, you know, we have to make sure that we are, are detailed in what we're talking about, because, mm -hmm. you know, responsiveness to the community is number one on my list. But that doesn't always mean that we're going to reach the same end goal or, or you know, we're going to see things the same way at the end of something. And, mm -hmm. and sometimes, you know, you have to agree to, to disagree on things, but it's the process, man. If you have a good process in place where mm -hmm. people understand and trust the process, you know, whether no matter what the end result is, you know, they feel as though that you were genuine in your approach to something they typically can can handle and and be okay you know with, with what has happened or, or what was done or your explanation or or what you provide to them um and and so just trying to get everybody on that page to understand that the changes that may be implemented and the different direction of different things that we may do mm -hmm. you know, while some people may not understand it and and they're looking at it you know from a, a short lens where the overall goal is more long-reaching and over overarching to impact the big picture you know and how well are we communicating that and 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 how well is that message being disseminated you know throughout the department so mm -hmm. people have a better understanding of what we're doing and it's not just man what is this crazy chief you know what is he thinking about and where is he coming up with this stuff from mm -hmm. you know, nah let me try to take the time to explain it to, to people so they understand where i'm coming from so where they can see like you know these things are not coming from a bad place mm -hmm. and you know change is difficult 
Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and anybody that's been in policing for any length of time, you know, can attest to just the struggle of changing something. You know, man, <laughs> we, we hate change. Yeah. But we hate things not changing. <laughs> uh, and, and so as a police chief, man, you often find yourself like in a lose lose situation. Uh -huh. um, and, and so that's where the communication piece of things man, really, really come into play. Um, but at the end of the day, man, it's, it's about being, you know, uh, uh, a good partner with, with people inside your organization and outside your organization uh, to where people feel like, man, you're genuine and, and that you truly have, you know, everybody else's you know, best interest at heart. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Good answer. Good answer. I mean, I like the way you explain it, how you have to have a bird's eye view when a lot of the guys have a tunnel vision. And once you explain it, it gives you a broader perspective on, you know, it, it's necessary to go through these processes or changes because the the, the long reach outcome is going to be a positive one for every, everyone involved. Hopefully uh, that's the end game goal. Um, uh, we got a couple people on. I want to give a shout out to uh, Vina McFadden, she says, hello, good evening. Thank you for tuning in. Paul Smith is on right now. He said, uh, thanks for doing what we do. God bless our police. Thank you, sir, for tuning in. Thank you very much. And I know part of your goals that you talked about uh, while we were backstage, you've been featured in two magazines. I learned that. I just, I knew about um, the information that you sent me on being um, in Police Chief Magazine. Um, and that was uh, the July edition, last month, page 15. Mm -hmm. Uh, you talked about community policing. How, for one, how exciting was it for you to be featured in the magazine? And for two, how do you feel, uh, how important is community policing to you? So, you know, being in Police Chief Magazine, and, and like I shared, that was that was my second time being in the magazine. The first time I was in the magazine um, was a few years ago. I received the IC, the International Association Chiefs of Police 40 Under 40 Award. Okay. Um, and so being a 40 Under 40 Award awardee, you know, mm -hmm. they, they do a write-up of all the award winners in the magazine. And, and so, uh, man, it was always, man, uh, just a, a goal and, and a dream of mine to, uh, you know, coming up in a profession, especially once you get to, you know, the command ranks and, and those things. And, you know, I would look at, you know, the police chief magazine and kind of read some of the articles and different things and see the people that were in there that were featured in there. And then that just became one of those things like, all right, man, one day, man, hopefully, man, I'll be blessed enough, you know, to make some contributions to the profession where and I'll see myself, you know, in this magazine one day. Um, and, and so when they reached out to me, uh for you know for that segment to, to talk about community police and you know it definitely it definitely was 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 an honor uh for, for me to be involved in it and mm -hmm. so you know man to your question about community policing and, and why it's so important you know man i would just i would just point back to you know man what we've seen you know in the country uh over the last several years um starting you know we can even start in, in 2014 you know in ferguson and and what unraveled in, in that community you know after the incident with with mike brown and and just what we learned after that you know so not not you know focusing on that particular incident but just what we learned about the community and, and things that were going on you know up in that community as a whole to where all right man it, it you 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 didn't get the feel or you didn't get the the vibe or the takeaway that you know connecting with the community you know was at the forefront of, of what was going on you know up there and and as we've seen things happen in other cities and other towns across the country and when these incidents happen and when people you know start voicing you know their you know the, the problems and the challenges that they experience and 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 what their reality is um of how things are you know just really speak 
speaks to the importance of of law enforcement you know being uh being a, a leader in that space of of trying to find ways to to connect with the community to connect with everybody in the community and that's you know man that that's a challenge at times it is. yes it um, is. because you know in, in a lot of communities and what i've experienced in my career is you know a large majority of communities you know often are supportive of their local law enforcement um mm -hmm. and and you know man everybody wants to live in a safe community mm -hmm. and, and so i think the overwhelming majority of people understand you know what law enforcement how we contribute and and we try to impact you know how people view their security and their safety in their communities and, and what and what we're trying to do um but also for law enforcement understanding the balance you know that we need to have in that space to where in our in our attempt in our effort to you know to to be a resource mm -hmm. uh, and and to provide that service for the community but also needing to build up relationships uh in the community and and what does that look like because you know everybody doesn't have the same outlook or the same viewpoint on what they want from from law enforcement mm -hmm. and and i think the best way for us to, to gain that understanding and to learn more about that is conversing with people man interacting with people and 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 connecting with your community to to learn and understand you know what are the problems that they're experiencing you know in their different neighborhoods and different things and and how how can we partner and how can we be uh, a partner you know to them you know in their communities at the end of the day man we want everybody you know to be happy in their communities and, and appreciative of the service you know that the men and women in this profession profession provide provide every day um and and just you know being a partner in a, in a willing participant in that space man is, is how you know it's how we get some momentum uh we're strengthening up some of those relationships especially you know in communities where historically you know those relationships haven't been the best right absolutely i agree with that and that was a good uh statement as well uh community police and i know with the uh, my department uh we pride ourselves on community policing as well where uh we're not always in the patrol car we get out and about we're, we're in the schools a lot uh we're out in the neighborhoods a lot we just to get out and shoot a basketball to throw a football uh some guys like to skateboard with the other kids just being out in the community itself it, it breaks up the monotony of the, the routine of the day and it builds relationships with everyone you find out you know, at nine o'clock at such and such house, there's this kind of issue going on. Okay, I'm sorry, I wasn't aware of that. We can address that issue and get that taken care of. And it may, it's things that are mostly minor, but they're important to that person. And actually, they're not, I don't want to call 911 for this issue, but since I ran into you now, I can tell you this and I feel comfortable talking to you about that. And that means the world. Means Absolutely, the world. man. Qu quality of life, man. That's, mm -hmm. that's what the bulk of it boils down to is you know man what is what is someone's quality of life and and we all we all want to have that peace of mind that you know man when we come home at the end of the work day and where we spend our money you know to to work live and play that mm -hmm. man we, we have a decent quality of life there yeah absolutely absolutely stand by quick we're gonna pause for the calls and go to a quick commercial and we're gonna come right back you guys stay tuned Sergeant BC, and I'm here on patrol. And I just learned we had some unsavory characters come into town. Stay tuned, and I'll show you how to protect yourself from their wicked ways. Ooh, 
I think I'm gonna like this city. Rob you blind here, <laughs> and I'm here to cause total chaos. <laughs> Chance Wilder here, and I just snuck in town too. I'm here to scam you. So ladies and gentlemen, I don't want you to have any interactions with these fiendish foes. So lock your doors around Rob You Blind and don't fall for the scam from Chance Wilder or should I say Wild Chance. Subscribe now. I hope you guys like these cartoons. I have a lot of fun doing them. I got, uh, uh, those are uh, individuals who I work with who also do the voiceovers and they have a lot, a lot of fun doing these voiceovers. They're supposed to be entertaining and educational as well. You know, certain things that aren't normally covered or addressed during the lives itself to uh, give you guys a little bit more levity, break it up to uh, enjoy them as well. Um, we talked about community policing. We have uh, Chief Jason Armstrong, Apex, North Carolina Police Department. Uh, he was just in police. Um, Police Chiefs Magazine, um, talk, discussing community policing. Uh, we talked about uh, his rise to the top of the uh, department and his influence there, his visions and goals. I'm gonna bring him back to the stage, get your questions ready, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, we're, we're still gonna have fun with the interview. There we go. Hey, oh, split screen, there we go. All right, you still there? Yes, sir. All right, perfect. Thank you. For, thank you for sticking by. Um, wanted to ask you a, a, a question, at least on your mentors and your influencers. Uh, who are some people who have influenced you throughout the course of your career that you uh, either wanted to emulate, model yourself after, or just looked up to? So, man, I would say, man, my on my journey, you know, I didn't have traditional mentors. Hmm. Um, so coming up. Man, I would I would label myself more of a student of, of police and especially of, of police chiefs. Okay. Where, you know, man, I would watch, you know, if something happened anywhere in the country and you know, press conferences and interviews and different things that chiefs would do, man, mm -hmm. I would watch, you know, their press conference and interviews and just look and see, you know, how they manage those situations, how they answered the questions, mm -hmm. how I rated how they answered the questions. You know, oh man, I wouldn't have said that. Or, oh, man, that was a really good answer, you know, to that question and different things like that. And so that was that was the big part of, of you know, just what I did just coming up. Um, and then once I got to a space where, you know, I felt I was I was ready to to really start go after, you know, police chief jobs. Mm -hmm. You know, I was relatively young to, to be a police chief. And and so what I did was, you know, I looked to see, you know, who around the country, you know, had already achieved what I was trying to achieve. Mm -hmm. at that kind of young of an age mm -hmm. um and so somebody that's that's not far from you was one of the the first people that i reached out to that really helped me out uh commissioner outlaw down in, in philadelphia oh, okay uh so commissioner outlaw is when she was the chief in portland is when i first you know learned about her and started following her mm -hmm. um, and you know she got the portland chief job at a at a very young age mm -hmm. in terms of police chiefs and right. what you typically see and, and so i just cold reached out to her uh on linkedin uh one day and, and just you know introduced myself and told her you know man i had been following along of you know what her journey has been like and if she would take the time to you know just spend some time and answer some questions just kind of give me some guidance and some insight mm -hmm. and and i was blessed that she was willing to 
to talk to a, a perfect stranger and, and offer, you know, some insights and, and guidance and into, mm-hmm. you know, what her journey had been like and different things that she had learned mm-hmm. uh, about navigating that space uh, along the way. And so, you know, she was somebody that helped me out when I was trying to, to, to take on, you know, that next step. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, she's a retired chief now, but Cassandra Deck Brown, she was the police chief here in Raleigh, North Carolina. Um, and and I was I was honored to meet her uh, several years ago. We were part of a delegation um, of a, an exchange program uh, mm-hmm. that went out of the country, and so I got to spend two weeks um, with her and and other you know police chiefs and sheriffs um, that was on that trip. But she she really really you know kind of took me under her wing and mm-hmm. and you know was willing to attach herself you know to me when it came time where I needed you know. Um, a letter a reference letter or anything mm-hmm. like that you know and she was my go-to and you know she would attach herself to me because she had that much confidence and, and faith that i could i could be successful at the next level um and so you know just individuals like that man that that mm-hmm. I, I you know i didn't have all along but you know people that came in into uh that, that came into my life you know later on in my career you know when i was trying to get to this point man definitely definitely helped me out tremendously Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. I know emulating yourself after and modeling after you, uh, someone that you don't know at all and copying their style, uh, seeing how they handle themselves is a big deal in any kind of uh, field, whether it's law enforcement or not. And then uh, reach out and, and cold call and have someone take you under their wing. That's a tremendous feat. And I know that makes you that's something you're proud of and, and it helped get you the position that you're in right now. And and, and another thing to like to add to that mm-hmm. is you know, when you're in, and so like some people that I watched, you know, man, I had never met and, and uh, a real quick story on that, that man was, was beneficial for me. Um, mm-hmm. There was a, a chief here in North Carolina that uh, his department had had one of the high profile incidents that okay. had happened several years ago. And so when it happened, you know, front page national headlines of this police shooting, mm-hmm. um, of an individual and and so yeah i remember i was glued to you know to all of his press conferences and things and you know like yeah that was a good answer not that was a bad answer and mm-hmm. i wouldn't say that and, and just you know really dissecting you know how he handled that stuff mm-hmm. and fast forward however many years when um when i was going through the process uh, the interview process here for apex he was mm-hmm. uh, he's retired chief now and he works as um, a consultant with mm-hmm. the, the search firm that was re- running this process. And so he was the person that I had like my initial phone interview with. OK. Um, and so after that interview was over and done, I mean, I was able to share that with him mm-hmm. about, hey, like, you know, man, I know because chiefs don't get a lot of feedback on things. Mm-hmm. That's the whole thing that I've learned as being a, a police chief is man, we don't, you know, course people bring a lot of all the negative stuff to us but as far as like very rarely does anybody come like chief you're doing a good job like that's just not the conversation that people have with police chiefs it's you know why aren't you doing this why is (laughs) your department doing that and and that's that's typically what we get and so Uh understanding that as a chief and and being able to meet him in that space you know i was able to give him you know some of that feedback and like you know hey man I couldn't imagine the the you know the gravity of what you were dealing with at the time mm-hmm. being at the forefront of the national attention of, of one of these shootings but man i just wanted to let you know that hey man i appreciate you going out there day after day in front of the cameras and addressing things because you know a young buck like myself who was watching that i was able to learn you know from how you handled that and and pick up some things and and you know so just so you know that man there are some of us that are, are up in this space now 
police chiefs coming up that man we were able to look at people like yourself and just others from around the country and and just being able to tell him that and, and to hear him you know come back in which we had never met we still have never met in person so this was over the phone and you know for him to be like hey man you just made my day uh, uh giving me that kind of, that kind of feedback man it's, it's those things man that 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 really that really stand out when you look back at you know just things that you can learn from people whether you know them or, or you don't know them uh and 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 just you know how how beneficial to where like i said i know he was dealing with just utter chaos in in the moment of that but years later you know for somebody to give him a positive takeaway from that space you know, man, I, I know, you know, that was that was appreciative and, and I, I was happy to have that opportunity to, to do that. Yeah, it's the little things that count. And I, I believe that, he, like you said, you made his day. And it's interesting. I know you were kind of uh, in awe to, uh, to have an interview over the phone with uh, such a high profile individual or an individual that you were following um, and, and, and gleaning after. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. Yeah, it was it was definitely a, a highlight for me. So let me ask you this: You've what are, what are three goals that you already have achieved, or what are your three goals that you're looking forward to achieving within your current position or moving up uh, in in any higher positions that may come that may avail themselves to you in the future? Man, goal number one for me is retirement. <laughs> Man, that's goal number one, two, and three. Uh, <laughs> That's all of them, huh? We all had to yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't have to go into further, but not man. All, all jokes aside, so man, the, the 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 beautiful thing about where I'm at in this space right now is, man, I've achieved my goals. Hmm. The first meeting that I ever had with um, the first chief that I worked for before mm-hmm. I got hired, you know, when you had that conversation, that initial meeting, and and my chief asked me, you know, man, what are your goals, man? What do you want to accomplish in your law enforcement career? Mm-hmm. And I told him, man, I want to sit in your seat, man. I want to be the police chief. Mm-hmm. And that was my ultimate goal um, with coming into the profession is like I knew I wanted to sit in that seat and I, mm-hmm. I wanted to be in that space. Mm-hmm. Um and and so at 39 years old, I had accomplished that. Mm-hmm. At 39 years old is when I was appointed the police chief in Ferguson. Congratulations! And so, and so after that, man, everything for me, man, is just icing on on top of the cake. And so now, man, it's just really about, man, what level of impact can I have, mm-hmm. and 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 how you know how can i put my thumbprint on the profession of of law enforcement not just you know the municipality or the agency that i work for but what can i give to the profession uh as a whole um because i think you know my experiences have been very unique in 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 being a chief in a place like ferguson and everything that that comes along with that um you know man i learned a a great deal um about just some of the nuances and the challenges uh in leading in today's times uh, of police, especially in the aftermath of, of George Floyd being killed. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, for, for me, you know, my goals now, you know, are really just, you know, how can I take the knowledge that I have and the understanding of what it takes, you know, to be successful, successful for an organization to be the best version of themselves for the community that they serve? Mm-hmm. And, and, and how can I make that a reality? Um, for the department and for the community that that I'm serving Uh, on top of, you know, or in addition to that, Mm -hmm. what can I contribute to the profession um, on a national stage or at a national level Mm -hmm. to where, man, I'm able to hopefully influence others um, and and show a different way that we can go about policing 
and a different way that we can go about leading organizations that, you know, man, we still get the job done at a high level. We still, you know, man, we still run criminals out of our communities. We still put the bad guys in jail that need to go to jail. But at the same time, man, that we exude the grace and mercy that most people in our communities need us to, to show them. And we, we police with the compassion that all of us would want people to, exactly. to, to grace us with. Um, and, 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 and trying to, to mold and get people to understand what that looks like um is is really you know just what where my goals are um right now uh, and and just you know how how big of an impact you know can i have in in that space gotcha so it, it sounds like you've achieved your goal like you say stated before and now more so you're looking to build the legacy uh, uh on being impactful uh not only with this department but across the nation as well in a positive light for police officers and, and the law enforcement profession uh period um everyone knows we're not and it seemed in the highest esteems right now uh and like we talked about behind the stage um uh, uh, this work this job is cyclic we uh no matter what decade generation you're in there's extreme highs and extreme lows and usually it's somewhere in the middle for most of the time and, and, and we we try to navigate in the middle to make things better and unfortunately things sometimes think, think things go bad uh we got to deal with them but it, we enjoy the high moments as well because i know we worked hard to achieve those absolutely and for me what i preach a lot of the time is man we can't get too high or too low you know with our successes and with our failures um, and, and, you know, man, as a police chief, you know, that that's one thing that I, I always have to keep at the forefront of my mind because, you know, man, somebody come and give me some good news right now, you know, and people, you know, people ask me sometimes like, man, do you get excited about anything? And it's like, you know, man, I'm happy to hear about this, but man, I can't get too excited about it because two seconds from now, I ain't no telling the phone call that I'm going to get or, or what's going to come my way. And, and man, that's a longer fall, man, if you are, are so high up on things. And so, man, I really try to stay even keel to where, man, when things are going great, I appreciate that they're going great, but I don't get too far out ahead of myself thinking that they're always going to be great. At right. the same token, man, when things are going bad and there's chaos, you know, going on around, I mean, I try not to get too down because I understand that, you know, man, this thing is about peaks and valleys and, and your worst times are not going to last forever. Just the same as your your, your best times are not going to last forever. Um, and and kind of, you know, kind of floating along, you know, in that space of, of trying to be level uh, with things and trying to stay grounded uh, in the moment, regardless if the moment is a high or a low. So your people see that consistency mm -hmm. and hopefully, you know, they start to, to take some of that on and, and understand, you know, that this is a marathon. This is a marathon. And so, you know, man, we can't, you know, man, we can't exude all of our energy at, at any given moment because man, we still have, you know, a lot of the race that's that's left to go. Um, and so being as, as even keel um, mm -hmm. and as balanced as, as possible is one thing that I really try to focus on. Gotcha. And I want to give a shout out to uh, Darren Cotton. He was last week's guest on the show. Uh, he, he he liked your comment and answer about yes, retirement, because ironically, he will be retiring uh, with uh, 27 years. Correct me if I'm wrong, Darren, if you're still on here, 27 years of service as of uh, this time next year. And he's looking forward to that ride and congratulations to him. Uh, but hopefully he may decide to uh, push it back a little further. He does a tremendous job and, and good police officers like him need to stay in the field. And Absolutely. 
made a comment here. Uh, she loves policing with love that policing with the passion, uh, compassion. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, I think that that's uh, the goal for. 90% of all of us, you know, there's, there's 25 with Darren. There you go, Darren. I see you. But that's the goal for uh, uh, all of us. We please, we want to police the way we want to be policed as well. I don't want someone to that I, I'm, I'm confused. I'm having a bad day. Uh, things are going chaotic for me. I'm a, a nice, decent person. I'm a, a, a nice uh, citizen of society and have some a police officer come and just make things even worse for me because I'm confused. I'm out of my, uh, not out of my mind, but just in, in a, a little bit of turmoil and chaos. Uh, I will want someone to speak to me uh, the way I would want to be spoken to in that kind of situation. I think that's the goal for all of us. Should be. Yep. Yep. Darren. Yep. 25 with dairy. That's right. There you go. <laughs> in the 21st century, we, we're kind of facing some brand new challenges um, with the social media. Everything has been put on blast, uh, rightfully so as well. Um, but we, we have these new challenges where um, the public doesn't always see eye to eye with us or they have conflicts with us as being the police department, the police department or agency. And sometimes you have uh, police officers that don't see eye to eye or have conflict with the, uh, the public. How would you address those kind of challenges? So the, the number one way to address it is, is through communication. And man, when, when I talk about this, you know, it's, 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 it's funny and ironic, you know, all wrapped up in, in one because, you know, so let, let's take, you know, Black Lives Matter movement, mm -hmm. okay? And with the Black Lives Matter movement, all right, man, what do you have people saying is just because of what I look like, I should not be treated less than or I should not be preyed upon, or, you know, I should not be viewed as a criminal or, or this or, or that. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I mean, I think most people can, can agree with that is, I mean, because of what you look like should not dictate how people treat you. Right. All right. Now, when you look at what law enforcement is going through and experiencing right now, I mean, what the officer saying is just because I wear this uniform, and we see what Derek Chauvin did to George Floyd. I didn't do that to George Floyd. So I don't deserve to be mistreated just because I chose this profession to serve my community or to serve a community. Mm -hmm. And so when you when you look at it from that lens and break it down, like we're talking about the same thing. Yeah. The you know minority communities that feel as though that they've been over policed and and historically man they they haven't had a good relationship with law enforcement mm -hmm. saying all right man just because I live in this neighborhood or you know I drive this kind of car whatever the case may be man I am not less than mm -hmm. don't treat me as such and we have law enforcement saying a lot of the same things and so the more opportunities we have to to put individuals together in the same space where as, as much of a safe space as we can make it, mm -hmm. but we have to be careful when we talk about the safe space piece because I mean, we have to be able to have real conversation in that space. And, right. and, and people have to understand, you know, walking into that environment and going into that space that, I mean, things may get tense and, and you know, man, we're gonna talk about, you know, some, some, some hard topics and, and have some tough conversations in there. Mm -hmm. But if you're walking into that space, man, with a pure heart, you have what it takes to to withstand whatever is going to happen in that room and to, to walk out of it and and when i talk about this and, and when i talk to people about it when we walk into that space man my objective should not be to change your mind i am not in there to change your mind about how you view me mm -hmm. how you view law enforcement or any of that stuff 
my objective walking into that space is when you walk out of that space, man, you have a better knowledge base and a better understanding of where I'm coming from mm. or what my viewpoint is. Mm-hmm. And, and if we have fewer people trying to convince other people that they are right and they're wrong, and we have more people focused on, man, how can I come to this space and and how can I pour out everything that I have? So the individuals in here will just have a better level of understanding of where I'm coming from and the things that contribute to how I feel about this or the traumas that I've experienced in this space mm-hmm. and why I look at things, how I look at things. Mm-hmm. Man, that's 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 where we see change, man. And that's where we yeah. see some of that that imbalance and that conflict getting a little bit better because for individuals who have operated in that space and have done you know a lot with you know um whether it's you know dialogue sessions barbershop you know uh sessions and different things like that man when you hear the stories coming out of those spaces man it's normally it's normally positive stories it's normally right. positive takeaways uh-huh. like, you know man i never would have thought that i would have that much in common with a police officer mm-hmm. or man i didn't know man we did the same thing or, or or we grew up in the same neighborhood or they had some of the similar challenges that i have and so man when you get to learn people on that level Mm-hmm. And, and you get to look beyond, you know, what the stereotype is and you get to learn about individuals beyond the stereotype. Man, at the end of the day, man, what we learn is, man, we have way more things in common than we do differences, mm-hmm. regardless of how you grew up, regardless of how much money you had or how much money you didn't have. Man, we have a lot of things in common. And so if we can identify those things, mm-hmm. man, those are the building blocks that we can work off of to to gain a better level of understanding of the things that we don't have in common and the things right. that we disagree on and and if we can find a way to do that in a respectful way and that's where you see the change and that's where you see the growth in, in communities and we've seen a lot of that mm-hmm. we've seen a lot of that in communities around the country and but you know you spoke to the the challenges that we deal with right now is mm-hmm. we've seen that but then all right man when something the next thing happens regardless of where it happens man we all we all have to have to pay for that and we yeah. all take a hit and mm-hmm. and and you know man we all we all have to deal with it and and so that makes it that makes it challenging that makes mm-hmm. it very challenging but at the same time you know man we can't waver in our commitment uh in in and us being willing to come to the table uh to to try to improve mm-hmm. the relationships and and if if we're genuine and, and we're intentional about it and we're consistent mm-hmm. then you know, man, we'll see things will start to turn to where we could have more open conversations with people about some of these incidents. Mm-hmm. And, and I've seen that to where, you know, individuals, when they come to the table at first and, and take, you know, a video of something that happened and it's like, oh, man, the police shouldn't have did this. They shouldn't have done that. But as they spend more time around police officers and they get to learn different things and, and how, you know, react, we react to this and, and how we respond to this and some of the reasons behind it, then you start to see some of that change where they'll see a video happening. Then you see people all of a sudden it's like, man, I would have did the same thing that the officer did in that situation. Or, I understand why he did what he did. And, and, you know, it's just, man, knowledge is power. Mm-hmm. And, and the more spaces that we can get into where everybody is gaining some knowledge from mm-hmm. one another, especially from people that don't look like them or people who didn't grow up with the same, you know, similar background or similar experiences, man, that's, that's, that's where we see the growth. Uh, and that's where we see, man, communities, man, coming together and getting stronger. And, and ultimately, man, that, you know, that, that's, that's what I want for, for any community that I'm in. 
Exactly. I like that. You gave a nice summation basically on the platform, uh, uh, this this platform right here. Uh, and, and I know the more you get to know people, like you said, the people are more alike than they are different. Uh, and a lot of experiences, a lot of problems. Uh, we all go through very similar problems. If it's a relationship, it's with children. If it's just with life, we all suffer uh, deaths in the family, everything and everything hits us all very much the same and very differently uh and once you break down the walls of the stereotype you can have a meaningful conversation again like whether you agree or disagree you're like i can understand that i can understand absolutely that. And if we can get if we can get better understanding man we'll we'll be in a better place mm -hmm. and uh paul smith jerry paul smith i didn't ignore your comment here it is uh, we kind of touched on it a little bit his question is how african-americans get treated when pulled over does your department provide training on blm issues so yeah, we we all focus on on equitable policing. Uh, we all focus on on bias uh, policing to make sure that we address those issues. You know, to to make sure that that they're rooted out. Um, and and one of the things and one of the biggest challenges when we talk about that. So you know, take that question right there. That question was specific to Black Lives Matter and, mm -hmm. and dealing with traffic stops. Mm -hmm. What I have found the overwhelming majority of time in my career is officers that that treat people like crap on traffic stops don't discriminate from what individuals look like man some officers are just buttholes and they don't know how to talk to people no matter if you're a man woman black white orange yellow it it, it doesn't matter and sir i said that's putting it nicely <laughs> yes yes and and um and and so and so some of those things are you know are magnified when you start adding in other variables race gender and, and different things like that um and and so you know for me it's about just the overall accountability of of what we're doing and and what we're trying to uh, accomplish here and and making sure that everybody understands what the expectations are um i don't care what's going on we, you know, in my department, we're lucky enough, we have car cameras, we have body cameras. And so, you know, all of our stuff is recorded. And so when somebody raises an issue, it's very easy for me to go and look at that or for my team to go look at that to see, you know, what happened. Mm -hmm. And 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 we can't waver and we don't waver on what the expectations are mm -hmm. on how we interact with people. Because, and, and the way I explain it to my people is when I go back and I watch that video, I don't care what the other person is saying or, you know, man, how disrespectful their words are. When I watch that video, I should be able to tell man, who the paid professional is in that interaction. Because that other person is not being paid to be there. Mm -hmm. The officer is. Mm -hmm. And and at all times, you know, I expect a high level of professionalism and, and customer service. And you can do that even when somebody's being difficult with mm -hmm. you. Um, and, and so, you know, man, one of the things that, that I, I benefited from the experience being in Ferguson and being up under a consent decree um, mm -hmm. was just the, the level of scrutiny and, and oversight that goes into an organization that's under a consent decree. And so for those that don't know what a consent decree is, you know, a lot of a lot of departments, when they have a high profile incident like Mike Brown being killed in, in the aftermath, um, what you saw with George Floyd, Breonna Taylor. Um, a lot of those incidents normally sparks the Department of Justice to come in and do a patterns and practice investigation of the organization. And and when that when that is done and if they, they find problems, which they normally do, 
then uh, the department is normally put on under a consent decree. Mm-hmm. And so each consent decree is different, contingent upon what problems they highlighted uh, in the report and what problems that they found. Uh-huh. And, and so going through that space, you know, a consent decree is just a document of reforms and changes that have to be made in the department. And, and so in Ferguson, the consent decree in Ferguson was 465 paragraphs long. And so the way to look at that is each paragraph pretty much is a mandate telling you that you have to do this. You have to come into compliance with with this. And a big part of that work is it's not doing the work. It's how we audit the work. How do we prove that we are doing what we are saying that we're doing what our policies say that we're doing? Um, And so being in that space and learning how to navigate that and and some of the pros and cons of it, you know, when I came into Apex, I created a new position called a compliance manager and and I'm applying the same, you know, optic of what I had in Ferguson with a consent decree coordinator. But we're not here, you know, we don't have a consent decree here, but Mm -hmm. the work that we're going to do and the processes that we're going to go through will very much be in line as if we did. Because that is the highest level of scrutiny that you can have for your organization. And so, you know, I'm bringing a a civilian in to run the compliance for my entire police department Mm -hmm. Um, and and coming from that that practitioner lens of civilian oversight, you know, of my department. And that's something that you don't see in, Mm -hmm. in hardly any departments across the country. But because I've had that unique experience of being in Ferguson and working through that, like I was able to see the value of having that and how the department can benefit from it and how the community can benefit from it, especially us working through, you know, some of the challenges and the issues, you know, that we have with how communities trust, you know, what goes on inside police departments. And so, you know, our level of oversight and our level of auditing, everything that we do, not just traffic stops and and different things like that. Um, is is one of the ways that we go about addressing those issues and maintaining, you know, oversight of that to make sure, you know, what we're seeing um, matches up to what the expectations are. And when they don't, I mean, we address them. Good, good. I think that clears that up. Good answer. Thank you. Thank you. And so we talked about uh, uh, traffic stops and, and officers as well. Um, just generally being, and as you put it, buttholes as opposed to uh, just as far as one genre of people, uh, just people in general. Uh, I think you kind of cleared the air on that. Um, what kind of problems are you seeing, at least with uh, in today's 20, uh, 21st century with um, applicants, finding qualified applicants that want to come into this position and be a professional police officer? Man, the, or, biggest, problem, or, the biggest problem, I don't see enough of them. <laughs> I think that's pretty much standard with each department. So how, how do you find applicants or how do you how do you respond to uh, retention and rec- uh, recruitment and retention? So, man, it, it definitely is a challenge for us, um, you know, and, and nationally it's a challenge. Now, I, I have to admit, man, that I, I am I'm highly blessed here in, in Apex because, you know, Apex is such a, a sought after destination in this area um, okay. for people to want to come work, you know, live, live and play. And, you know, in, in 2015, Apex was voted the best place to live in America uh, oh, for cities yeah, okay. our size. Um, and so the, the quality of life here is is very high mm-hmm. um, and which makes us, you know, a desirable location for, for people to want to come police. Um, mm-hmm. We have extreme support. 
uh, from our community, you know, man, of the police department and, and, and the work that we do and the service that we provide for them. Um, and so, but, you know, big thing is just looking to see, you know, man, where, where can we make changes and upgrades where we recognize that we, you know, man, we, we are weaker where, you know, some of the other departments maybe have done some other things differently. And so, you know, an example for, for me here in Apex, so Apex, you know, has always been, like I said, a desired destination for people. And so when we would post the opening, you know, we always had dozens and dozens of people that yeah. would be putting in to come work here. Yeah. And I, but we've seen that number go down, you know, over the last year because mm -hmm. everybody's hurting for people and a lot of departments are starting to really incentivize, mm -hmm. you know, different things and, and put in place different programs to, to mm -hmm. keep people. And so, you know, as I'm talking with my training and recruitment um, team, uh, one of the things that, you know, that I learned is, man, we historically, you know, have not hired people and sent them to the academy. We always wanted people to come to us that had pretty much put themselves through the academy. Right. And and then now they're trying to get hired on, you know, with us where and what my what my recruiters told me is we have to send a lot of people to other departments because a lot of people call us that want to come work here. And, but they are asking if we would hire them and send them to the academy. And it's like, well, now nah, we really don't do that. And because the history, man, we really haven't had to do that. But man, when I looked at what our numbers were the last time, it's like, all right, we gotta make some changes because man, I don't want us sending people to right. other departments that, you know, especially if, if they could be a quality person, you know, for us. And so it's really getting into the weeds of those things to look to see what you can change. Um, you know, one thing that, you know, man, we're having to make adjustments with is, is is our hiring process and and that's that's always a slippery slope and so you have to be very careful with how you manage that because i am i am an advocate that we cannot lower our standards like that, that's that's mm -hmm. not going to happen man we're not going to lower our standards and we're not going to cut corners mm -hmm. um trying to get people in the door but we also recognize that man the length of our process we were losing people because they were being hired by other departments. Mm -hmm. And so once again, man, that's getting together, man, with the people that's in that space doing that work to identify like, all right, man, you know, where do we see are some of the gaps of what we're having? And so the community is like, well, chief, we wait too long to send, to start the background packet, man. We, we're not starting the background investigation until they get to this point. And then it takes this long if we put it on the front end and we do that con con concurrently with some of the other steps in the process, that will shave a lot of time off the process, but we have not removed anything from mm -hmm. our process. Cool, make it happen, start doing them, or start starting them earlier. So man, by the time we're ready to make offers, we have all of that stuff done. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so it's, it's just, you know, really looking at what changes you need to make for your organization. Like everything is not about copying what the next person is doing. Mm -hmm. Because y'all may not be starting from the same the same space exactly and and you know man we've been lucky here in apex where you know we were kind of out front leading the pack and now others are catching up to us mm -hmm. and so now we're having to make some adjustments right um, so we can you know hopefully go out in front of the pack again but mm -hmm. you know just you know early this year i think in january or february i was fully staffed i was fully staffed and so i think at that time i had 90 at that time i had 96 okay warm uh, positions and every last one of my positions was full. And okay. so I, you know, I've had several people retire, you know, since then. And of course, you know, everybody's losing people to the private sector when they take those jobs and stuff. And so, you know, I've had some people leave, but like right now I'm sitting with maybe like five vacancies okay. uh, out, of, out of my 99. And so, 
you know, man, that's that's pretty good when you look at yeah, what yeah, I was gonna say that's not bad at all. Yeah. yeah, around the country, but mm-hmm. I want to be at a hundred. Um, yeah, exactly. And, I understand, and I want to stay at a hundred. So that's that's what we're working on right now. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, th- those aren't bad numbers at all. I mean, ideally, yeah, everyone wants full complement. Uh, you're going to lose some through retirement, attrition, um, and just things that happen in, along the way. Uh, but I mean, being down about uh, five, that, that's not five uh, percent isn't bad, isn't bad compared to numbers that I've seen throughout the country. So, absolutely. Paul, I didn't want to ignore your question. Uh, Chief Armstrong, thanks for stating your thoughts on the very, uh, do you visit various churches um, to get to know the community better? Yes, 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 I do. Um, and man, it's always it's always beneficial, man, going in, in, into those spaces, man. I always enjoy myself, you know, visiting, visiting, you know, everybody. So it's not just churches, you know, so I, I visit a lot. Man, we have a lot of community groups uh, here in, in Apex. Um, and, and, you know, I try to get around and, and meet with all of them, um, and, you know, get to learn the people, get to know what they're doing. Uh, one thing that we have here in Apex that is a tremendous resource, uh, for our community is we have, uh, a group, um, that we managed to call the, the faith and Alliance service group. And, and so it's a group of, you know, clergy members and, and, um, institutions, but also, you know, nonprofit organizations are part of this group, mm-hmm. um, different different ministry types and, and groups and different service providers are all a part of this big group that we have here in, in Apex. And, you know, so we meet monthly and, and new new people are being added to our group on a regular uh, basis. And, and so we always give them a platform to come before the group and, and explain what they offer and what they are contributing to the group to where my officers, you know, as they're out interacting with people and, and dealing, you know, with people in different crises and things like that, you know, sometimes when things come up, when we need resources, mm-hmm. man, because we have those relationships, you know, with our clergy and with those groups, man, we send out the blast message like, hey, we got this going on and we have a community member that needs this. Is anybody able to help us with this? And then the support just starts pouring in. Mm-hmm. And yep, you know, this ministry will take it. Yeah. This church right here, you know, we'll take it, man. We can help out with that. You know, we got it. We'll do this. We'll we'll do that. And so, like, you see the the power behind those relationships. Mm-hmm. Big deal. You see the power behind those relationships, and and you know, I'm always trying to to, to leverage and build those partnerships and, and strengthen those partnerships, um, because man, those those are the entities and the people that make up your communities, and and you know, one person can't do it alone. And, right. and 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 when I say that, you know, I'm speaking about the department as a whole, like when it comes to community policing and when it comes to making your community safe, mm-hmm. the police department cannot do that by ourselves. Right. It is everybody's responsibility to contribute to community policing in a safe community. Mm-hmm. And and so understanding that and, and leveraging, you know, those partnerships, like I understand, like there are some spaces that I can't walk into. And I can't walk into because some people, you know, have, you know, feelings and, and history with police and, and they may not want me there or they're not going to trust anything that I say. And I have to be OK with that. Mm-hmm. So, man, I look to see, all right, man, what kind of partnership, who can I connect with, you know, that can go into that space to where all right, if that individual gets to learn who I am and, and, and I'm able to build a rapport with that individual, mm-hmm. then, man, they can walk in that space on my behalf. And, and they can share, you know, whatever, you know, message or, or whatever information that I'm trying to connect, you know, with those individuals. And, and if they get to learn who I am, 
then ultimately they may be able to go in there and go to bat for me and and be able to speak to like i mean you all may want to sit down you know with this gentleman or you know man you know he really is genuine about this and, and about that and and you know it's it's you have to get out of your way sometimes mm-hmm. and and sometimes in law enforcement we haven't we haven't been the best at, at doing that you know if, if somebody you know said after police or something then we just write them off and you know man i'm never going to speak with them and i'm never going to go to that institution i'm never going to interact with them because they don't like us now that can't be that can't be our approach to those things um and and you know man people are going to feel like that but but they still they still are members of your community and you still have the same responsibility uh to support them and to provide a service and a resource for them man when when they need it uh despite how they talk about you and right. and so it, it's a, it's easier to provide that high level of service if you can find some common ground and if you can build up you know some kind of relationship with people where i mean they still may not like you but if they have a better understanding about where you're coming from and mm-hmm. and and what direction the police department is, is going in. Mm-hmm. And and if you're telling me that we're so bad and we're so terrible, okay, man, how can you help us get better? Hmm. That's that's you know, that's the that's the question that you throw out there to them. And you allow people to come in and, and be a part of, of what you have going on. And so I right, mean, if you tell me that we're not hiring quality officers, then I need you to be on my next hiring panel because I always bring community members in to be on hiring panels mm-hmm. of officers that we hire. And so I right, may come be a part of the process of betting the people that we're looking to hire. There's ways that you can get involved in and and be, you know, uh, a part of the change or, or what's going on. Um, and you know, you just have to find people that are, are willing to 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 be about it, not just you know, not just speak about yep. some of those things. Start being a part of the solution, not the problem. Absolutely. Uh, Paul uh, Paul Smith, right here. My church loves when Officer Tillman uh, visits the church. He gives a sense of security. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you very much for the comment. Uh, Shayla Thompson, right here. What a great idea. Connecting the and building the community absolutely we've been discussing community policing in various formats all night long i think it's a tremendous uh job and act, act opportunity as well um it's not easy uh it's something that's necessary i like what you said about getting the community involved and and getting out of our own way because as police officers uh we're fixers by nature and and, and we kind of i want to fix it 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 i want to get it done and I'll move on to the next thing and and sometimes getting out of our own way and having an a rapport and delegating uh, certain responsibilities that you can with other entities, whether they are law enforcement or a private sector, to get the same job done, but just in a different manner is very uh, effective and necessary. Man, absolutely. And when you when we look at, you know, what's been been talked about, you know, nationally over the last couple of years, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, especially when when the defund the police you know, mantra was was uh, crafted and, and started becoming a, a rallying cry. Um, you know, if you really looked at it and broke it down um, in, in its genuine nature, not not what, you know, became um, uh, a hashtag and, and all of that stuff. But what they were talking about was, I right, mean, in this country, man, over decades, man, we've seen funding and money and resources steadily go away from community services. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the origins of, of what they were talking about uh, was that, man, we need to put money into those spaces. Um, and, and I agree with putting money into those spaces. I vehemently disagree with taking money away from police departments to do right. it because we already don't have the money and the staffing for everything that we need 
you know, to provide the highest level of service in communities. No police department in this country has 100% of what they need. And mm-hmm. so, you know, to think the notion to make communities safer is to take away from law enforcement. I, I just, I'm sorry, but I, I don't see, uh, I've never seen an example of, of where, you know, man, that, that really is the answer to the equation. But it's really about, man, how, how do we, how do we identify, you know, the partnerships that in, in, in the resource that are already in our communities and build up stronger partnerships where we can work together to make sure that people, you know, have adequate resources, mm-hmm. um, you know, in their communities and, and the people that need them the most mm-hmm. have easier access to them. Um, because, you know, that, I mean, it, it's, it's, we, we see it in, in communities uh, across the, the country. Um, you know, just just everywhere it exists everywhere yeah. that the people that need some of the resources the most are the ones that that don't have it, um, yeah. and, and, and we have to find ways, and, and communities and governments have to find ways uh, for us to you know to do better in 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 that space. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's you know it's, like I said earlier, you know it's gonna it's gonna take all of us. Um, mm-hmm. It's gonna take all of us, man, being intentional uh, about trying to to make those efforts work. Um, to, to make sure that you know man, we're, we're able to contribute what we need to contribute to people and and the things that you know are recognized that officers shouldn't be handling you know and all officers are on board with that mm-hmm. you know because man officers are expected to be you know Swiss Army knife out there and, <laughs> and you know handle every situation everything yeah I'm sorry man officers shouldn't be going to somebody's house telling them you know you need to cut your grass you know just different things like that that that's what we ask officers to do these days. Yeah. Yeah. You know, go, you know, go stop over there. That person needs to cut their grass and different things. And 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 you know, we we reached a point where the only entity that was allowed to deliver bad news was the police. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and you know, just some of the requests as a police chief that I would get, with chief, you know, can you send an officer to go do this? No, man, we're not going over there to, to do that, man. That is not our role and responsibility. I'm sorry, but you know we're not the only ones that can give somebody bad news, right? Because all of those things that would contribute to people hating us all the yeah. time, because we're looked at as you know the strong arm in the equation. To where, mm-hmm. you know, man, if that's a code violation, code enforcement, man, y'all are going to handle that. Mm-hmm. If it's a fire code or fire marshal violation, fire marshal, man, you should you're the more appropriate person to handle that. Right. I can't explain no fire code, you know, to anybody. <laughs> and and so the more things that we identify and recognize with that, where, man, we're we're lessening some of the burden that we have put on on officers um, to do some of these things. A lot of that has contributed to, you know, why we are frowned upon in some communities um, and different things like that. You know, somebody didn't go get their occupancy permit. Man, we shouldn't be knocking on their door and issuing a citation for that. You yeah. know, let planning, building, and zoning handle you know those things, and and you know, so it's really about us identifying man those things, and and how you know man we can better better identify the appropriate uh, resources and entities to handle a lot of that stuff, so we're not just throwing everything at the at the feet of officers to handle and deal with. To be uh, uh, letting the police be a one one hundred percent catch all. Yes. Yeah. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we had a tremendous conversation. Don't go anywhere yet. We're not done yet. Uh, we're going to take a pause for the cause, and we will be right back with Chief Jason Armstrong. Settle down, class. 
I said, settle down, now quiet. Hey, it's Sergeant B. Safe. Hi, class. Sergeant B. Safe here. Hi, I'm Kasaya. I'm the class speaker for the day. Here's my list of questions. Why did you want to become a police officer? I wanted to become a police officer to help out people and kids like you. How long have you been a police officer? A little over 15 years now. How did you become a police officer? I had to get good grades in school and I graduated from the police academy. Why do you like being a police officer? Because it's the type of job where every day could be different. The kids had a great time. Thank you for visiting with us, Sergeant B-Safe. I'm glad to hear it. I had a great time too. Now you guys go and be safe. Subscribe now. And we are back, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Thank you guys for tuning in, staying tuned with us. We're having an enlightening conversation. I hope you guys are liking these cartoons. Uh, I did reach out last time. Anybody wants to do voiceovers, uh, let me know. Uh, contact me, get in and get, uh, or shoot me a message through here, and we will get it done. We got some tremendous voice actors always looking for more. There's a couple of cartoons that are in the process of being made right now. Uh, we're coming back here with Chief uh, Jason Armstrong, Apex uh, Police Department, North Carolina. We got a question on the board right now from PO'd up. Uh, go ahead and get pull Jason back here on the screen. There we go. And here's our question. Uh, it's a good question. Peeled up reality TV. Are police departments allowed to throw barbecues for the community? Churches do it all the time, but I'm curious to know if that's something you guys do. It kind of sounds a little bit like National Night Out. I know each department is, does things a little differently, uh, but I'll let you answer that question. Yeah, so, I mean, are we allowed to, to throw barbecues? Yes. Um, but but oftentimes, you know, what you see is is normally, you know, a, a partnership, you know, with the police department and and you know community groups and entities, i.e., you know, National Night Out. You know, it's normally a lot of people coming together um, and and doing doing different things, you know, like that. But but nothing nothing is off the table. It's it's all about you know what you're able to do, you know, what your budget uh, allows you to do. Um, you know, like I talked about earlier or a minute ago is, you know, man, no police department has all of the funding and all the resources that it needs to do everything, you know, that, that it needs to do. And, and so, you know, if you're able to to get money approved in your budget uh, for outreach initiatives and different things like that, um, then then, yeah, absolutely. You know, police departments can can do things like that and, and are encouraged you know, to do things anytime we can do something with food. You know, food is the great is the great equalizer. Yes, it is. So some individuals who who may not you know be all that in you know uh, moved or swayed by coming to an event you know with the police there, but you know if you can market that you're going to have some food there, man, that may be what gets them over the hump uh -huh. uh, and and coming and 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 so yeah, if you can entice people to to show up. Uh, by any means necessary, then then that, that that's normally a, a benefit. Um, so yeah, barbecues and stuff, man, are always you know great ways 
you know, to just kind of relax and, and, and do different things. You know, I know we're we're planning an event um, for uh, National Faith and Blue Weekend. Um, okay. and so, you know, we're going to be partnering with some of our local churches here and just kind of have like a movie night. Uh, um, and, you know, we'll have food and, and all of that stuff and, and hopefully, you know, have a, a good turnout of people coming out, um, you know, just to just to interact and, and do something, you know, just a, a little bit, you know, yep. lighter than, you know, than what, you know, what we typically are, are experiencing and, and different things like that. Sounds like a good idea as well. I know a great man once said a long time ago said, full folk don't fight. So you have a, an event where people are eating. I mean, you, you, you everyone's comfortable. Everyone got full bellies. You're not going to fight. And then you're able to uh, get, grab them, tug on somebody's ear. Absolutely. Yeah, it's always, always a benefit to break bread with somebody. Yep. And as, as we're wrapping up, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, uh, we, we covered a lot of things. Um, Never heard of National Faith. Uh, yeah, thanks for sharing that information. Absolutely. But as we, we covered a lot of uh, materials, a lot of things in the uh, course of this interview, if I forgot to mention something or as we were talking it jogged your memory, uh, is there anything that you would like to share right now? The floor is yours. Uh, nothing, nothing specific to, to the discussion or the conversation, you know, man, I think, you know, uh, appreciative of it, man. I appreciate you having me on. Um, I think we had a, a good discussion and conversation. Um, I will give a shameless plug though, uh, okay. is that I am recruiting right now. And so anybody interested in, in moving to North Carolina and being in the Raleigh area, um, in particular people in leadership, man, I have several Lieutenant positions that we're recruiting for right now. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, a big opportunity, you know, for, for any, you know, any up and coming leaders out there that are interested, man, to take on a, a new challenge. Um, you know, definitely, definitely look at the Apex Police Department. We have a lot to offer at this department and in this community. Um, and it's, it's a great place to, to, to work and, and a great, uh, a great community uh, to, to be in. And so, you know, anybody that's looking, uh, you know, my, my man that's that's retiring, you know, 25. <laughs> hey, I don't know what, if he has any supervisory experience. He's but, a supervisor. You know, all right. You know, maybe may be ready for, for that next step. Hey, ironically, he's from uh, uh, North Carolina himself. Uh, uh, he was a police officer um, uh, in Sanford. That's near uh, Fort Bragg, that area. Yep, yep. I know exactly where Sanford is. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I, I grew up in Fayetteville, so I know he knows where Fayetteville is. Yep. Yeah, I was stationed at Fort Bragg myself. So I, I know okay. where Fayetteville is also. Uh, put the I put the link in the comment section. It's right there posted above. Um, there's their website. So if anyone is looking for um, any kind of employment, if you want more information, just go to the website. There it is right there. Uh, and you can get any information. Uh, make sure if you do have any other questions, even after um, the live is over, you can still post them in the comment section. Uh, they will be made available. And if they're directly for the chief, I'll make sure he gets those questions and he can address them, especially if they're for employment. All right. I appreciate you all being on here. Uh, make sure you guys tune in. We got a special guest coming on uh, later on this week. Um, we're, we're doubled up this week. So make sure you got, get your questions ready. Make sure you guys are tuned in. We're going to keep going strong. We're going to keep having fun. Uh, we got a lot of things going on. Oh, yeah, there we go. Darren, I see you still on there. <laughs> he grew up in Chatham County. All right. So, so Darren, Apex, we just annexed into Chatham County. And so, man, we're building a, a brand new bottling company in Chatham County. So come on, come on back home. All right. And we got another question. I don't want to miss you guys' question while we're live. Uh, Paul Smith, what's the age cutoff for hiring? I don't I don't have one. Okay. Okay. Wide open. Wide open. Wide open. 
All right. And I'm going to be a respecter of his time. Uh, he, we've been on for over an hour now. Thank you guys for tuning in. Have a wonderful night. Stay safe. We all love you. Have a good night. Peace.